Lord, I thank you that you have chosen to reveal yourself to us, uh, Lord, through Jesus and through the scriptures. Lord, today we just confess that um, by nature we are focused on the things that we can see physically and so easily distracted from you, the reality of you, who you are, and all that you have revealed about yourself. And so we ask for help today, just like the disciples did. We say, Lord, we believe and help us in our unbelief. And we thank you that you sent God the Holy Spirit to help us, to guide us in truth. And so we ask for help today that we might learn from you, that it would be real to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. I'm so excited. Um, I know I've been back for a couple of Sundays since um, our vacation, Um, but I just wanted to stop and say I'm so glad to be here with you today. Um, I am reminded of just uh, how much... Um, I love you guys, and um, uh, everyone that's a part of this church uh, is so great to be around. We really have a church of heroes, of people that are um, influencing and serving our community, and I just love you guys, and it's just really good to see you today. I'm proud of you, and uh, many of you are um, fighting the good fight of faith and really making a difference in our city. And I'm just uh, proud of you and excited about what I'm hearing about what God's doing in your life. Is that okay? Yes. Okay. Um, so we have kind of taken a couple of Sundays in talking about worship and kind of bringing a 30,000 foot picture, if you will, backing up to go big picture in the Bible a little bit and just talk about God and be focused on God. And I know it's kind of a broad um, topic, but um, I was reminded in taking this picture of this sunset on our vacation of just how big God is. Uh, in, in On our vacation, on, on our um, Sunday, I just kind of went back to the creation story. Um, and in uh, recent events, uh, both in the lives of people in our church and also in our country, Um, decided to just kind of make a change of plans this month for our teaching content. And I I wanted to just kind of bring us back to a focus on God, um, the greatness of God, the love of God, um, and just how big God is, which is a simple concept and easy to just kind of check off the box mentally and then check out. I don't want us to do that. I want us to instead check in um, and really engage with this. Is that okay? Okay, so we're going to start in Genesis 1 and, and look at the creation story to start our talk uh, here in the next 20 minutes or so. Uh, but as I do, I want you to feel free, if you would like, you can, of course, read along, but I also want you to uh, feel free to, um, if you'd like, even close your eyes um, and imagine and come back to a realization that, like it or not, believe it or not, God was here before anything else. Like it or not, believe it or not, there is a creator, there is a one true God who is the author of life. And I want to go back to when there was nothing but God. Okay? So if you can just take your imagination back and whether you want to bow your head, close your eyes, or read the scripture. But I want to, let's, let's fire our imaginations this morning for a moment. Is that okay? Okay. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. The Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. 
God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. And evening passed and morning came, marking the first day. Then God said, let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. And that is what happened. God made this space to separate the waters of the earth from the waters of the heavens. God called the space sky. And evening passed and morning came, marking the second day. Then God said, let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place. So dry ground may appear. And that is what happened. God called the dry ground land and the waters seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant and trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the great kinds of plants and trees from which they came. And that is what happened. The land produced vegetation, all sorts of seed-bearing plants and trees with seed-bearing fruit. Their seeds produced plants and trees of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. And evening passed and morning came, marking the third day. Then God said, Let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them mark off the seas, uh, seasons, days, and years. Let these lights in the sky shine down on the earth. And that is what happened. God made two great lights, the larger one to govern the day and the smaller one to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set these lights in the sky to light the earth, to govern the day and night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And evening passed and morning came, marking the fourth day. Then God said, let the waters swarm with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that scurries and swarms in the water. And every sort of bird, each producing offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God blessed them, saying, be fruitful and multiply. Let the fish fill the seas, let the birds multiply on the earth. And evening passed and morning came, marking the fifth day. Then God said, let the earth produce every sort of animal, each producing offspring of the same kind, livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground, and wild animals. And that is what happened. God made all sorts of wild animals, livestock, and small animals, each able to produce offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, I, I want to pause on the narration here because I know that some of us have great doubts about the creation story. We have great conversations about science and evolution and scientific evidence and questions about what God this. And if we actually pay attention to the specific language in Scripture and the account of creation, much of the evidence that people use to support evolution actually does make sense with a biblical narrative of how God created the earth. That's a topic for another day. We're going to focus on God today. Okay? But I want to just pause and say questions are good. Doubt is normal. It's all throughout the Scripture. God's not afraid of questions. He wants us to learn. And yet He is God. And it is good to be still and know that He is God. Amen? Okay, I'm in verse 26. Then God said, speaking to Himself, okay, God's not schizophrenic. It's God the Father... God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. And we understand from John 1 that God the Son, Jesus, was alive and here in the heavenlies with God, with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. So God says to himself, self? No, just kidding. God, then God said, 
Let us make human beings in our own image to be like us. They will reign over the fish of the sea. Thank you, God. The birds in the air, the livestock and all the wild animals on earth and all the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then he blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. God gave us stewardship right from the beginning, and good stewardship is a Bible principle. Then God said, look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And I've given every green plant as food for all the wild animals and the birds in the sky and the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life. And that is what happened. That God looked over all he had made and he saw it was very good. And evening passed and morning came, marking the sixth day. Chapter 2. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. This is the account of the creation of all the heavens and the earth. Let's go to uh, verse 15 in chapter 2. God creates the hu- humans. God placed the heaven in, uh, excuse me, God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, You may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. I want to pause here as we're looking at and considering how big God is and remembering that there is one true living God who created the universe, who created the earth, and who created humans. And I want to point out that God, in creating us, created us with tremendous freedom. You notice that before sin, before Adam and Eve made a mistake, that God's original intent was that these human bodies would last a long time. That God's original intent was not that work would be laborious and a curse, that there would not be pain, that there would not be disease. That God's original intent before sin gave us an amazing amount of freedom. And yet God knew that he needed to give us a choice so that it was a love relationship and we were not robots just compulsively loving him like a pet dog, but that we were of a free will, that we were truly created in his image. And so God knew in his infinite wisdom that he needed to give us a choice. God's way of giving us a choice was to create one tree in the garden, one tree and one tree only. That he said, don't eat that fruit. So let's consider who God is. God is huge. God is in control. God is insurmountable. God is undefinable. And when God gave us a choice that we might choose to love him, that it would be a real love relationship, he chose only one rule. And if we consider that, we must remember that God is a God of amazing freedom. Now, what happens? So chapter 3, we see that what, what do Adam and Eve do? The serpent comes along and he says, Did God say that you can't eat the tree, the fruit of the tree? 
Now, he lies, he twists the truth by describing it as much fruit. And Eve corrects him and he says, no, God didn't say that. God said we just couldn't eat of that tree. But he continues and he persists. And then what happens? Adam and Eve, they make a mistake. They do the one thing that God asked them not to do. And then how does God respond to their disobedience? How does he respond? Chapter 3 and verse 7, at the moment, this is the moment that they partake of the fruit, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. It's okay to be frustrated with clothing. It may not have been God's original intent. Right? They, they felt shame at their nakedness. They sewed, fi- sued, sewed, how do you say that? Fig leaves together to cover themselves. So they cover their own shame. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God, and many translations say, as was his custom. They heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees, and then the Lord God called to the man and said, Where are you? So how does God respond to our sin? He pursues us. His intent is for great freedom and When we made the one mistake, He pursues us. See, when we in our life choose selfishness, it breaks relationship. Whether it's an affair in a marriage, whether it's stealing from your employer, when we make mistakes of selfishness, they break relationship. Does that make sense? But God's grace, God's plan, and through Jesus Christ to us now, grace reconnects us. You see this? When we choose selfishness, it breaks relationship, it disconnects us. When God's grace comes and we receive His grace, it reconnects us. It brings unity. The, the, the product of God in your life is always unity. Amen? It's the grace of God and how the grace of God works. I'd like to, just real quick, let's go through a few more scriptures and just describe God. So, if I were to describe God's plan, God's design, and uh, some would use the word justice. I would need to look at God's plan, God's design, God's justice as God setting things right. God is always setting things right. And remember, the things that have gone wrong are things that have gone wrong as a product, as a byproduct, as a result of sin. Okay, sin enters the equation, and that's where we get disease and etc. 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 Right? So God is setting things right. He's bringing grace. He's healing where sin has brought damage. Now, God comes down and describes Himself to Moses. Moses is asking God questions, and in Exodus 34, God speaks to describe His own name, Yahweh, the Lord God of compassion and mercy, I'm slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive. And God uses the words for a one-time incident, a repeated incident, and a lifestyle. God uses these words to describe sin. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. 
That is how God, for the first time on earth to a human, describes His name and who He is. Isaiah 61, that Jesus quotes when He stands in the temple to announce that He is the Messiah. Jesus quotes this, uh, God had revealed to the prophet Isaiah what God's design and God's plan in setting things right look like to bring good news to the poor, to comfort the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives, to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come. The God, this is the God that we serve, full of love, forgiving, abounding in mercy, and setting things right, comforting the poor, mending the brokenhearted. God setting things right always looks like this. And so whether you find yourself today in a place of hurting as a result of your own mistakes, or you find yourself suffering from disease and pain, and we have people in that place today, physical pain, physical ailments, whether you find yourself today in there's friction or brokenness in a relationship and you're suffering the emotional violence of a brokenness in a relationship, whether you are hurt and overwhelmed by the, the news and the, 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 those young kids that are in, in, in sexual slavery in our city and around the world, or, or whether it is um, the violence and, and the racism that we see in, in Henderson. And, and we see, we listen, no... No citizen of our country should have reason to be afraid of the police. That's not right. Now, I grew up with an uncle who was a police officer in downtown Kansas City. And through the 90s, through the, 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 all the violence with crack and gangs and all those other things, and I, I've heard a lot about what it's like to be a police officer and the challenges of being a police officer. And it's not an easy thing. But at the same time, we should not have any more young men that die in that kind of situation. It's not right. Are you with me? It's not right. It's not right. Whether it's a, a young man in that situation, unarmed, and a police officer is in a place of, of taking his life, or whether it's little Mackenzie in Waverly, who, who is just a stray bullet from a drive-by shooting who's not the intended target. It's not right. And it is right for it to disturb us. I think that we don't talk about this stuff enough. We don't know how to deal with it. It is right for it to disturb us. And yet, whether it is personal brokenness or feeling overwhelmed or feeling a rage at what is the reality of our world, we got to come back to who is God? What is possible with God? And then the opportunity that we have here on this earth now is to respond to God. Are you ready to talk about that? Because God is the one who created this world. He did not leave us. He sees the brokenness of our world. And we need to stop, let go at times of the frustration. 
breathe, be still and know that he is God and drink in a realization of who he is and the fact that he is, even in the face of our very broken world, he is in control. How do, who is God? What's his design? He is always about fixing his original design when we mess it up. The setting things right. How does he respond to us? He pursues us and with grace he reconnects us. And how do we respond to him? Well, Deuteronomy 6, we get this very simple directive to us that each of us as individuals will someday give an answer before God if we have responded this way. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. So no matter how you define it, your mind, your will, your emotions, your reasoning, your faith, your feelings, we are given an instruction to love Him with all we've got. And so often when we're brought into situations of trying to heal brokenness, I find that it is selfishness and it is allowing affections to be set on other things that brings about the brokenness in our life. Right? How do we respond to God? Oh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. We are to trust in the Lord with all our heart, to not depend on our own understanding, to seek His will in all we do. And He will show us the path to take. Jesus himself, when asked, when asked to sum up all of the Old Testament and the most important directives we are given, Jesus asked to sum these up. He says this in Matthew 22, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So even in the face of great brokenness, as Pastor Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, we must accept finite disappointment, but we must never lose infinite hope. Infinite hope. A good pastor, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., knew who the source of infinite hope is. It's our God. So even in the face of temporary disappointment we should be overwhelmed with an infinite a boundless it never running out source of hope that comes from our God and so we must ask ourselves how do we respond to God well you are here you've made the good choice of keeping the Sabbath that seventh day of rest we see in the creation story that God intended for us to keep a day when we rest and when we delight in God and the goodness of God, when we reflect on the good things that God did in the previous week, the good things, we're sucking oxygen right here, right now, we're alive, whether we have constant pain, you know, as I do from things in the past or not, no matter what's going on in our life, we can 
take a breath and we can know in taking a breath that this infinitely amazing and complicated human body that God created with great design has purpose. And a part of His purpose is that we experience pleasure. A part of His purpose is that we encourage each other, that we love on each other, and that once a week we stop and we pause and we rest and we enjoy each other's company and we laugh and we cry together and we encourage each other and we talk about the good things that has God that God has done and we count our blessings and we We go back to scripture and describe and learn and reflect on who God is. And from that, we have a very, a very specific response, a call to love God with all we've got and love each other. And so as we close today, I want you to pause and to think. Now, listen, whether it's Ferguson, Missouri or Uh, something at your job, whatever the overwhelming thing is that you face today, I want you to pause, breathe in. God created the whole world. God's in control. God is always, even when we can't see it, setting things right. God has given us an opportunity to partner with Him to do good things He purposed us to do. But let's not allow ourselves to be discouraged or overwhelmed by the what if and the things that are beyond our control. But instead, to believe, to really believe, to savor and digest the truth of who God is and from there allow His infinite hope, His peace to sink deep into our being and become that which influences us more than the challenges we face. But see folks, that takes time. It takes a commitment. It takes you wrangling your mind and your emotions to focus on God, the truth of who He is, and encouraging each other in that. So each of us as an individual, we have an opportunity to do that. And beyond that, I want to encourage us with this. We are much bigger than what we see in this room. A lot of people out of town and a lot of people that everyone in this room and those that are out of town influence on a regular basis. We are much bigger than what you see. All around Baltimore City today, there are Christians that are meeting that love God, that are in this city with you. God is the one, the one who is in you, is greater than he who is in the world. God is in control. He is in control, even in your own life. Let's stop, let's be still, let's know that he's God. And I want to encourage you with this very specific advice. Here we are in a city with much more than the national average poverty, ethnic diversity, people that are not believers in the one true God, much more than the national average, that we can make a difference in this city. We can. That if everyone in this room focuses on one person who isn't a believer in Jesus, we're already at the hundreds, hundreds, a people that we're loving with the love of the Lord. Now, in order to do that, at times we need to focus on our relationships with each other. In this church, we have tremendous educational and economic and ethnic diversity. And we need to learn more about each other and learn more from each other. Your Sabbath really should include time with your family and time with friends. I want to say, as your pastor, it would be really helpful for you 
to look around this room today and to either today or set a time as soon as possible to spend time with someone else in this room. There's amazing people in this church that are brilliant, that are humble, that are funny, that are fantastic, and that are making a huge difference in our community. And whether it's sharing your struggles or sharing a joke or something that you like that you don't know that anyone else likes, we can strengthen each other. You guys know that our home is open for every Ravens game. Our home home is open all the time throughout the throughout the year that our home is open all the time to get to know you and spend time with you. But guess what? Rebecca and I are not the only fantastic people in this church. <laughs> A little sense of humor, you can breathe. Please don't leave today until you've set a time today or on another day to spend time with someone else in this church and and let's spend time with someone who's different than you. It's easy to feel the emotions of the pain of what's in the news and racism and all these other things and racial stuff that you hear at work and all this stuff. You know one way that you can feel overcoming in that is by learning more about someone who's different than you. Is that right? And that takes, you need to extend yourself in order to do that. And what you might find is that someone else also at times in their home, in their neighborhood, pretty much everyone in the room here lives in the city, that someone else may also at times feel discouraged and feel like they're the only Christian in the area. But if we get together and we enjoy each other's company, you don't need to talk about spiritual stuff. Laugh, have a good, good time, tell jokes, share the stuff that you like. But if we Sabbath this way, we will be more encouraged. Because God is our source of infinite hope. And because God's given us an opportunity to love on each other. Then from there, out of a position of strength, there are many more ways we can walk this out this week in our city and make a difference. We kind of come and look at overwhelming circumstances and ask the question, what can God do? Amen? Amen? Amen. Uh, Stand with me, please, and we'll close in prayer.